Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. I cannot wait for this new series in November entitled Thanks for Giving living in extreme generosity. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus on three things, stewarding your time, stewarding your talents, stewarding your treasure, and leveraging it all for the kingdom of God. And then November the 20th, we're going to take up a miracle offering. Every penny that we take in is going to go back into our community and give huge bonuses for those great organizations that we support as a church. It's going to be great, and I can't wait. Hey guys, welcome to Waterhouse Church. We're so glad that you're here today. If you're watching online, thank you. Everybody say hello to our online family. There you go. All right. Don't stay home because the Cowboys are playing. Get in here. All right. Uh, (laughs) There, I said it. Uh, It's good that you guys are here today. If it's your first time here, I just want to say welcome, and we'd love to get to know you. So here's the best ways to to get to know you. On your chairs, there should be some little QR codes. You can scan those. Um, if you're not sure how, ask a teenager. They'll help you uh, to, do, to use the QR scanner. But also, if you text the number 817-803-3131, text the word CONNECT to that. It'll give you a little connection card to fill out, and we'd love to get to know you, love to get to answer any questions you have. That number is good for anything. So if you need prayer or anything else, just text that number, 817-803-3131. That number is good for anything. So uh, we have a staff that's, that, that talks to you on that. So it's a real person. It's not all automated. So please connect us with that way as well. And so I'm going to talk about next November, well, this November, not next November. Um, yeah, I can't think that far ahead. All right, so, so in November, we're, we're, we're learning about being thankful. And, and in our thankfulness, it automatically generates something in us called generosity. And, and so I want November, we want as a church to be in November to be a, a, a month of generosity. And so if you're serving in any capacity, uh, we, we want to say thank you for your serving, number one. And number two, uh, November the 13th, we're having a serve day party um, at Film Alley. And so if you've gotten some invitations for that, if you're on the serve team, you should have got some invitations to go to that serve team party. Please RSVP that so we can make sure that we're, we know you're going to be here. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to bowl for about two hours. We're going to have a good time with family and friend, with, your, with your family. Don't bring your friends. Um, unless they're serving, then you can bring them. Uh, but with your family. And uh, and so we just want to love on you. We want to feed you. We're going to have some gifts and have a fun little giveaway at the end. And just to say thank you. Thank you for serving. So thank you for serving, Serve Team. Appreciate it. Everything you do, God, we can't do this without you. Um, and so thank you for all that you do. And then November the 20th, everything that comes in that week is going to go back into our community and support three of, of the great organizations that we support in this community. 
everybody, this community matters. And so if we're not, if we're not serving the community that we're in, then what are we doing? And so I, we want to serve the community. We, we already donate to them on a monthly basis, but we want to kind of give them the end of the year push because at the end of the year is when organizations and 50C13s kind of make, this is their meat and their potatoes in November, December. So we want to love them. We want to give them a bonus and just say, thank you for serving our community, for loving the people of our community and to partner with them. And so be asking the Lord right now, what you can give on November the 20th. It's going to be an awesome moment. It's going to be a great moment to serve and to love our community. And so everything's going to come in, go into them. Look, don't worry about the church. It's good. All right. This is all for the community. So we're going to do that together. And so being thankful, I'm super thankful for my friend, uh, Jimmy Abrams and his wife, Priscilla, for being here today. They're going to bring a powerful word and they're going to talk to you about missions and what they're doing in Africa. But I want, before I introduce to him, I want to show you a video about what's going on in Africa. And then Jimmy's going to come up and just inspire you today. All right. Pastor Neil and Waterhouse Church. Man, isn't it cool that we get to do this on Sunday? Man, we get to come to church. Isn't that cool? We don't have to come to church. We get to come to church. We get to be a part of what God is doing. And we get to rub shoulders with some of the greatest people in the world like your pastor. Somebody say amen. Before I do anything this morning, I simply want to honor the man and the woman of the house. Thank you guys so very much. Pastor Neil, you guys are killing it here at Weatherford. And uh, I told first service, I'll tell you, we get to be in different churches every Sunday because we itinerate, we travel, we go to different churches. Man, this church has it. Uh, man, Priscilla had mentioned earlier, my wife Priscilla on the front row over there all by herself. She's, yeah, 26 years she's carried this cross, but that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, from the moment we've walked in, just the voice of the house and the vibe of the house, uh, just listening to people talk about how excited you are about your church, about what's happening here at the church and, and the warmth and the love that we have felt from, from the moment we stepped in this building is just incredible. And it's not like that everywhere. <clears throat> Some churches you walk into, man, they just look at you funny. They don't say hi. They don't even notice that you're like here. It's just like, it's those crazy stares, you know, like, hey, you don't go here. 
<laughs> You're right. I'm not coming back either. <laughs> you know, uh, it's no wonder some people don't come to church. But not here. It's just different. There's cool vibes. There's warm vibes. There's love. There's energy. There's the things that are spoken here resonate with who we are and what we do. Having a heart of thanksgiving. You know, I believe that Christians ought to be the most thankful people on the planet in Jesus' name. And we ought to be as followers of Christ, what we've been given in salvation and the blessings of the Lord. Christians ought to be the most thankful people on the planet. The church ought to be the most generous place on the planet. Jesus gave it all. We should do the same. And when you hear things like that spoken here in, in the house, it's really cool. And, and such a reverence for the holiness of God. Man, great job, worship team, bringing us into the throne room. I mean, it's just this is a great church. You know, and it's not just being in here. I shared with First Service, I was on the phone a couple of days ago talking to a friend of mine and telling him where I was going to be this Sunday. And even he said, man, that Pastor Neil, they are doing a fantastic job working on an add-on to the church building and increasing the space. And it's just so cool to know that, man, your pastor and his wife, their family's doing a fantastic job. And it's not just seen here, it's seen outside of here. God is blessing the man of God, the woman of God. And today we honor you and we simply say thank you for your leadership. Thank you for pastoring us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for leading the church into a brand new season, a great season, a season of growth, a season of increase in Jesus' name. We claim that in this house today. Amen? And uh, so God bless you guys, man. And uh, it's like, I, I have a hard time calling them Pastor Neil because he's been Neil to me for all these years. I mean, we've known each other a long time, and uh, we won't say how long. But uh, man, it's just so cool to watch what God's doing through you guys, man, and your obedience and your willingness to, to do what you're doing, man. Thank you. The kingdom is better because of you. And, uh, and we're grateful for you. Amen. Amen. And Waterhouse Church, man, this place has changed since I was here last. Uh, it's just different. I, I don't know how long some of you have been coming to church here, but a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, about 2005, 2006, 2007, when Pastor Curtis was here, he would allow our church, when we youth pastored in Grapevine, Texas, he'd allow our students to come and to help raise money for fine arts. And we talk about being a generous church. He guys would take up an offering for us. Our students would minister on Sunday morning with all of our fine art stuff, and this church would take up an offering for us and help us go to nationals. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but uh, we have a lot of fond memories in this room uh, of our students ministering on this platform, and you guys would buy us lunch, and we'd eat lunch here, and it was just a really great time, and so it's just really cool to be back here, to be back in Weatherford. Weatherford's changed. Oh, my stars. It's like blowing up, and you know what's cool about that? That means the church can blow up with it. Somebody say amen, and, uh, and so we're just excited about what's happening here happening through your pastors and happening in you. Somebody say amen. Well, as Pastor said, we, we get the privilege and have for about the last decade of serving on the continent of Africa. Uh, I would have never in a million years dreamed that God would have placed us there, but he did, and I'll share more about that here in just a little bit. But uh, man, Africa is such a great place, and one of the privileges that we have on itineration is getting to come and to share with you what God is doing in Africa and to let you maybe see Africa in a different light than you have in the past because Africa is changing. The Africa we know of 20 years ago is not the Africa that exists today. It's a different world. It's a different place, and it's changing. Some of you may not know Africa is the second largest continent in the world. 
It's home to 1.3 billion people and growing. In fact, they tell us in the next 20 years, Africa will be the only continent that continues to increase in population while every other continent will either plateau or decline. That's why we have a saying in Africa that the future is Africa. Why? Because in the next two decades, Africa, the continent of Africa, will be the most influential continent in the world. No longer will the world be primarily influenced by the West. Africa is going to be the major influencer in the world, and I believe that. Uh, the way Africa is growing, what God is doing there is just incredible. It's also home to 867 unreached people groups. Africa still needs Jesus. An unreached people group is a group that's less than 1% Christian, and they have very little or absolutely no access to the gospel in their known language. Those things still exist. Those places exist. Those people still exist. There are places in the world where people have never heard the name of Jesus, yet we get to come hear it every day. But there are still people lost and do not know that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again to save us from our sins. There's still work to do on the continent. Africa's a wonderful place, but it is changing. And we believe in AGWM Africa, just like you believe here, that your church is the hope for your community. How many of you believe that? The church where you attend is not just a room full of seats and rows where you come on Sunday and mark it off your checklist and go home, but really what happens here can change the world. What happens at Waterhouse Church can change Weatherford. What happens at Waterhouse Church can change Texas. What happens at Waterhouse Church can change the world, and I believe that. I believe that, but we believe that in Africa too, that the hope for Africa is the local church. That's why our vision for AGWM Africa is to see a healthy church within walking distance of every African. We want to see a healthy church within walking distance of every African. Why walking distance? Because the majority of Africans don't drive. They still walk. And our mission to do that is three-pronged. We plant the church where the, plant, where the church does not exist. We nurture the church where it is still weak and needs assistance. But we partner with those national churches that are strong and are doing a great job reaching their country and beyond. So we plant, we nurture, and we partner. And in doing those three things and, and, and wanting to see a, a, a healthy church within walking distance of every African, there are five places of focus that we really focus on in AGWM Africa. Number one is unreached people groups. We focus on reaching the unreached, those who have not yet heard the gospel, those in the places where there is no church, those in the place where people have not yet gone. We focus on that, and we do that through a ministry called Live Dead, and we send teams into these places. We don't send people by themselves. We send people in teams. Why? Because they last longer and they work harder. <laughs> but we believe in teams in Africa, and what we do, we try to do everything in teams. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, not one by one. And so we believe in working in teams. And so we send people to unreached people groups in teams through the ministry of Live Dead. The second area of focus for us is children. You saw in the video, the reality is half the continent's not under just the age of 20, but it's under the age of 18. So half the continent, not half of a country, half of the continent. 1.3 billion people, divide that in half, and that many people are under the age of 18 in Africa. It is still a very young continent. And if we're going to affect the future of Africa, then we have to reach the children of Africa. It's not an option. So if you're here today and you love children and you love working with children and you feel, feel like maybe God would call you to Africa to work with kids, man, please come see me. 
We have an amazing continental ministry called Africa's Children, and that's what they focus on and helping build children's ministry inside national churches and, and working with some of those pastors and how to have effective children's ministry. And it works. It works. I'll tell you why in just a little bit and show you how that has made a difference in our church and what that looks like in our local church that we are a part of. So we, we work with unreached people groups. We work with children. The third area of focus is urbanization. That's our area of focus. We work with an initiative, a continental initiative called Urban Tribes, where we plant high-impact, high-influential churches in the fast-growing urban areas of Africa. I told you just a few minutes ago, Africa's changing. Africa is urbanizing. They tell us that by the year 2030, 60% of Africa will live in major urban cities. Africa will no longer be a rural continent, but it will be an urban continent. There's over 50 cities on the continent right now with more than a million people. The city we live in is 7 million plus. Seven million people in the city of Dar es Salaam. Africa is changing. The old National Geographic Africa that everyone's used to with the huts and, you know, people walking around barely clothed and it's not that anymore. That does still exist, but it's all changing and it's becoming very urban. Africa is changing and it's changing the way that we look at missions and it's changing some of the stuff that we do. And one of those focuses is planning churches in those urban areas. And that's what we get to do. That's where our focus is. I'm a city kid. I've always been a city kid. My first mission trip was to Texas to marry my wife, the Texan. <laughs> it worked very well for me. She's a country girl. She's an East Texas girl. As you can see, they cook well. <laughs> but we love our church and we love cities and we believe God wants to transform the cities of Africa through his church. The fourth area of focus for us in AGWM Africa is Islamization, working with Muslims. In Tanzania, a third of our country is Islamic. Where we live on the coast, there's a strong presence of Islam, and there is an intentional and strategic plan to Islamize all of Africa. So we must be intentional and strategic about how we reach Muslims with the grace and the love of Jesus. Muslims aren't our enemy. They're just lost brothers and sisters who need Jesus. Underneath the turbans, underneath the burqas, underneath the clothing, they're just guys and gals that need Jesus like we are. And uh, God loves Muslims just like you and me. And we have to be strategic about how we win them to Jesus. And we do that through our church relationally. We just love them relationally. And the last area is just compassion and poverty. There's no other place on the planet on the planet that experiences more poverty and loss and sickness and disease and spiritual darkness than Africa. And so we have ministry called Africa Oasis that focuses on compassion ministries to different areas of compassion through the continent, whether it be clean water solutions or, or women empowerment, uh, food, feeding, agriculture, whatever it is to bring sustainable lifestyle to Africans as opposed to just giving them a fish, we try to teach them to fish. Does that make sense? And so we work in the area of compassion. God is doing amazing things on the continent. The greatest revivals in the world today are happening in Africa. 
National churches in Africa are growing faster than anywhere else on the planet. God is moving in Africa. And I believe that this urbanization, this globalization and urbanization, the effect that it's having on Africa, God is setting up Africa for amazing revival through the city. How many of you know the church was born in the city? In Jerusalem. Church was born in the city. God uses the city to influence and impact everything. Weatherford is impacted by what happens in Fort Worth. Urban sprawl. Welcome to your increase in your neighborhood. It is what it is. The city affects everything. It influences and impacts everything around it. And we believe that God is setting up Africa to see the greatest revival in the cities that they've ever seen. That's why our heart is to plant churches. We want to plant churches in these areas to reach a new African. Do you realize that the young Africans today, Africans 25 years and younger, have more access to information and global news than any other generation before them? They know more about the world than their moms or dads or grandparents ever knew. All because of this little thing we call a cell phone. This thing we call the internet. They see more, know more, have been exposed to more, and there's more at their fingertips than have ever been before. And Africa is changing. The young generation of Africa looks very different than the older generations of Africa. And we believe God is using these trends, these global trends, urbanization, globalization, to usher in great revival on that continent. We get the privilege of pastoring a church called the Ocean Church. Our church was planted in 2008 by American missionaries, some of the God missionaries. And uh, 2012, I was there visiting on a trip, and the pastor looked at me and said, Hey, uh, we've got some issues in our family that we have to take care of, and we have to go back to the U.S. Would you be interested in coming and pastoring our church? We really feel like you and your family are the ones that need to be the next pastor. So I come home and talk to Priscilla, and we moved there in 2014, and that's kind of been our focus of ministry ever since, helping pastor and lead this church. The ocean is an amazing church, and God's doing amazing things inside of her, in spite of us. <laughs> and, uh, and we're just thankful for the revival that we've seen, the life changes that we've seen. Like I said, we, we see all kinds of people come to our church. It's a very global church. It looks very American. If you walk inside of our church, it'll look like you're walking into any church in America. Everything's in English because Africans speak English. The new generation of Africa loves English. It's, it's what they want to speak, and so they come to our church. Everything's English. The, the music that you hear is just like what you hear here. Uh, it's, it's a different style of church for Africa, but it's exploding, and it's booming, and God's doing amazing things, so much so that when we return next year, we want to walk through a season of multiplication. How many of you know healthy things reproduce? Healthy things reproduce. Healthy churches plant churches. I'm going to say that again because that's where you guys are going to head, I'm sure. I'm positive. Waterhouse Church Part 2 somewhere. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, there's all kinds of communities around here that need a Waterhouse Church. I'm planting seeds. You feel it? Can you feel it, Neil? <laughs> Healthy churches reproduce. So our hearts to reproduce. We have been a part of the National Church, the Tanzania Assemblies of God, for quite a while. And uh, their general superintendent has come to us and asked us to consider planting two more churches, just like ours, in some other cities in Tanzania that are growing. 
the city of Dodoma, the city of Arusha. Uh, both are cities with more than a million people. Both of them have large universities in their community, which makes them a draw uh, for young people. And they've asked us to consider planting two churches like ours in the next five years. So that's our heart when we return. I don't know how we're going to do it financially. I don't know what it looks like, but God does, and we've said yes, and so we're going to go for it. That's what we're going to do. We're also working in a new area for Tanzania, working with campus ministries. We've never had Chi Alpha missionaries come work in Tanzania. Next year, we have a Chi Alpha couple that's coming alongside of us. It's going to help us begin to help the national church uh, move into a season of effective ministry on the campus, uh, how to reach a new generation of Tanzanians, a new, gen a new student uh, in Tanzania. It looks different, feels different. They respond differently. Uh, so we're bringing along Chi Alpha team to, to come and help us reach universities while we're planting churches. So the University of Dar es Salaam, the University of Dodoma, University of Arusha, we'll be doing Chi Alpha in those universities as well. So it's just a whole new season of new things happening for us when we return. We believe it's a season of increase. We believe it's a season of growth. And uh, we're believing that for you too, because I believe that's what God has in store for his church in Jesus' name. And uh, I, I don't believe in sitting still. I'm a visionary. Uh, that's, one of my, that's one of my greatest leadership strengths, according to every assessment that I've taken. I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I don't like sitting still. I don't like experiencing the same thing six months later. Uh, I want it different. I want it new. I think there should be more. I think next time I come back, every seat in this house ought to be filled, not with two services, but four services in Jesus' name. And I believe it's possible. Some of you guys are looking at me like, you're so crazy. You don't even know. Oh, I know. My God is bigger. My God is bigger. My God's a God of increase, not decrease. And uh, he loves everyone. And every one of these seats represents someone that needs Jesus. What are we going to do about it, church? What are we going to do about it? So that's why we have a pastor. Mm-mm. It's not why you have a pastor. The Bible says a pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the kingdom. That's you, that's me, we work. Pastors equip us and we work. We lead people to Jesus. So those seats around you that are empty, man, I challenge you to challenge yourself. Hey, in the next three months, I'm gonna fill this empty row. I'm gonna invite my coworkers, I'm gonna invite my neighbors, I'm gonna reach out to bring them in Jesus' name. Whatever it takes, we're gonna fill the house. We're gonna fill the house so Jesus can fill their hearts. We're going to fill the house so Jesus can fill their hearts. Amen. I'm not getting a lot of amen on the back row. But just, just so you know, I do pastor African church. They're very interactive, and they're not quiet. In fact, a lot of times in church, sometimes you just hear, la, 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 People, the Lord starts moving. They just get excited. That's what, that's what they do. And, and so in my church, sometimes when it gets quiet, they know when I'm getting revved up and they're not because I get off the platform and I start walking up the stairs and I start walking among them and they're like, oh, crud, pastor's in a mood. We're not listening as loud as he's preaching. And so I just, I want you to know, man, God's got a plan for this church. You are ripe and ready for an incredible season of growth and increase and life change. And we're believing it for you and with you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. That's celebration in Jesus' name. Man, you get what you celebrate. You get what you celebrate. And if you ain't going to celebrate growth, you're not going to have it. You get what you celebrate. And so we're going to celebrate in advance. Somebody say amen. Yeah.
Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14 this morning. An old story with a new twist. It's an old story with a new twist. Anybody been in church a long time? Maybe you remember the old flannel board. You remember that? Come on now. I'm not going to point fingers. Anybody, but there are people here that probably used to teach on a flannel board. Am I right? Come on, sweet. I know. I know. I see you. I see that hand. <laughs> I see that hand. And I remember seeing this story on a flannel graph. You know, the feeding of the 5,000. That little flannel fish, you know, with the loaves of bread. And, you know. That one character on the flannel board that one week was Jesus, the next week was Joseph, the next week was, you know, because you lost the other ones. But all those Bible people look the same, so you could use the same one for a different person every other week, right? This is what it is. Uh, an old story with a new twist. We all know the story of, of the feeding of the 5,000. It's a miracle of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus still wants to do miracles today? Amen. How many of you know Jesus is still a miracle-working Jesus? If you believe that, say amen. amen. If you doubt that, say, oh, me. <laughs> I believe Jesus still works miracles. I believe he still wants to work miracles. But today I want to look this story not necessarily through the, meat, the feeding of the multitude, but through the eyes of a missionary. So, Lord, help us today to put on the glasses of the Great Commission and to look through the lens of Jesus The one who left everything in order to reach everyone. God, help us today. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 14. We'll begin reading with verse 13. To kind of set the stage, Jesus is at a place in his life where he has just heard that one of his best friends, John, has been beheaded. His best friend has just been murdered by the king because some little girl said that's what they wanted. That was the gist of it. John lost his head because of this greedy little girl who wanted his head cut off. So the king said, okay, I'll give you whatever you want. So we find Jesus in this place of grief. Just like you and I would be if we got news that our best friend had just been murdered. Maybe our spouse, maybe our best friend. We all understand what seasons of grief are like. We all know what it's like. And in our family, my mother-in-law just passed away and we buried her not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. But we understand seasons of grief. We, we understand what that's like and the human nature behind what happens when we hear those kinds of stories or the bad news comes to us. The last thing we want to do is be around a bunch of people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you bring me those stories. I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of people. Just leave me alone. I just want to go hide somewhere, or crawl under a rock, or just I want to go weep. I want to go weep. I don't want to see anybody. And Jesus, we see in this story, is no different. Beginning at verse 13, he says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves, two fish. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus went to a solitary place, just like you and I would. He wanted to get away. He wanted to grieve. He was hurting. He was sad. There was a lot going on in his life. He just lost his best friend. But I want to look at his response today as a challenge for you and I. The Bible says that the crowd gathered around him. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus ran away. It doesn't say that Jesus ignored him. The Bible says that Jesus looked on them and had compassion. There's four questions I want to ask us today from this passage of Scripture. The first one simply being, first one simply being this. Do I see what Jesus sees? Do I see what Jesus sees? Do I see the world through the eyes of a Savior? When I see the crowds, do I see them like Jesus? When I'm driving through Weatherford, Texas, do I see what Jesus sees? When I pull out of the parking lot and I turn left and drive by the middle school, do I see what Jesus sees? When I'm shopping at the grocery store, when I'm out on a Saturday night with my family, When I'm at work with my colleagues, do I see what Jesus sees? Do I see the hurting? Do I see the helpless? Do I see the lost and the needy? Or do I simply see a crowd? Do I see what Jesus sees? Do I see how Jesus sees? sees. You see, in the midst of his hurting, in the midst of his grief, in the midst of all he was going through, Jesus was never too occupied with himself or his own life to not help somebody. How many of you are thankful that when you came to Jesus, he wasn't too busy? How many of us this morning are grateful that when we knelt and asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, he wasn't too busy to take some time? Am I right? Do we see what Jesus sees? Jesus said, look under the fields for the ripe unto harvest. 
But see, if we never see how Jesus sees, we'll never be able to react like Jesus reacts. It's hard. It's hard. But it all starts with seeing like Jesus sees. Do we see people like Jesus sees people? The Bible says he looked and he had compassion on them and he began to meet their needs. How many times have we just driven past because we're too busy? The second question is this, we read from this story, is do I feel what Jesus feels? Not only do I see what Jesus sees, we've all seen the commercials. We've seen the ads, we've seen the videos, we've seen the pictures. We see it, but do we feel what Jesus feels when he sees it? I'll be a little transparent with you today as a missionary. Is that okay? Like everybody likes to say, missionaries are heroes. I won't be after this story. You're going to look at me and say, you're a horrible missionary. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm human. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say to you. When we first moved to Africa and we moved to Tanzania, we moved to the city of Dar es Salaam, one of the things that you notice right away is how there are so many homeless people. There are so many people in need in the city. And at every intersection, no matter where you are, when you stop, because we are not African, They attack our car, <laughs> knock on the windows. They're homeless, they're helpless, broken, literally some missing limbs, missing eyes, some wounds wide open. I mean, they're homeless people that are sick and hurting, and all they want is help. And they're knocking on the window and doing this, which means give me something to eat. Give me something to eat. And it never stops. Every day, all day long, you can drive through the same intersection four or five times a day, and the same people will come to your car every time. Well, at first it was like, oh, look at these poor people. Six months later, it's like, geez, leave me alone already. <laughs> enough. You can't give enough. You can't help enough, no matter what you give or how, how much you give. It, it doesn't seem to change their situation. The same people come knock on your door and knock on your window. I mean, year after year after year, you go to the intersection. I can tell you who's going to come meet you. We got this young guy. He's healthy as can be, but he pulls his grandfather around all the time. His grandfather's blind, carries a stick with him, and he can't see, and he just brings his grandpa around to every car and gets money. Well, if you're like me, I'm like, dude, why don't you just go get a job and support your grandfather? You're healthy enough to work. You're a young, healthy man. Quit parading your grandpa around. <laughs> go get a job and support your family. And then I drive away thinking, man, you're a horrible missionary, Jimmy. <laughs> what kind of attitude is that? <laughs> but day after day. Week after week, you see this. And it's like, for me, I'm like, okay, when I first moved here, it was easy to have sympathy. But after three years of it, Neil, it's like, good gravy. When does this stop? Guess what? It doesn't. So help me be like Jesus. <laughs> I wonder if that's how Jesus sees me. 
every time I kneel to pray. For 40-something years, Jimmy, you've been knocking on my car's window asking for something. Will it ever change? But you know what's awesome? Jesus never changes. <laughs> he answers every time. God help me to sympathize like Jesus. God continue to change my heart. Continue to help me to see what you see and, and to sympathize like you sympathize. Jesus had compassion on them and began to meet their needs. Why? Because true compassion will always lead to action. We cannot as a church say we're compassionate but sit and do nothing about the needs around us. That's not a compassionate church. There must come a time when what we feel leads us to move. Paul described it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is compelled by the love of Christ. That word compel is so grabbing. What compels you? What compels you as a follower of Jesus to do what he asks you to do? What is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you? What is it that pushes you? Paul says we are compelled by the love of Christ because we are convinced that one died and that one who died died for all. Do you believe that today? Do we as a church believe that Jesus died for everyone? Even the ones we don't agree with. The ones we don't understand. How many of you know there's a lot of strange people in the world today? The world today is a whole lot different than it was when I grew up. My kids come home from school and tell me strange stories about their classmates. And I just have to think, man, them parents got to be whacked out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got kids? Kids come home, tell you stories about school, and you're like, what in the world is happening at that school? What are my kids learning? And where are those other parents? <laughs> There's things happening in the world today that wouldn't have happened 40 years ago when I was young. There's people we look at and just shake our head. It's like, where is common sense for heaven's sake? Do these people really believe this? You really believe you can be a guy, but say you're not a guy? You believe that you can be human, but identify as an animal? And that's acceptable in our schools? So much so that my son says in their school, in the bathroom, there's litter boxes. Think about that. Try that on for size. I, my dad would just roll over. <laughs> if I came home and told my dad that, and my dad was a simple man, and he'd always tell me, Jimmy Don, don't be stupid. Because you can't fix stupid. You tell me, common sense, boy, ain't so common anymore. <laughs> I'm like, if he was alive now, I wonder what he'd say. <laughs> but how do we respond as a church when we see people we don't understand? And it really makes no common sense at all whatsoever. But we got to learn to respond like Jesus. 
as hard as it is, as tough as it is, as, as much of a challenge as it is, uh, we got to learn to love everybody like Jesus. Are we compelled by the love of Christ or only by those things that make us comfortable? God, help us even when we don't understand. You know, we see in the story also so many times when presented with opportunities to act, we respond a lot like the disciples in verse 15 when the disciples said, Jesus, just send them away. It's getting late. They need something to eat. Let somebody else take care of it or let them take care of themselves. How many times as, as believers, as a church, like I said, we've driven by and just let, hey, let somebody else handle it. Or we sit in church and we're presented with a need and we're looking at, at Everything we've done through the years that we just say, oh, let somebody else in the church handle it. It's their turn. Oh, I taught Sunday school for 20 years. It's somebody else's turn. Do you know how many fall festivals I've worked through the years? Let the young people do it. I youth pastor for 26 years. If I ever hear that again, I think I'm going to puke. Let the young people do it. And my response is, why don't you model it before them? <laughs> show them how but so many times we're presented with a need and it's like oh, just let somebody else handle it and I love the response of Jesus it's so me you feed them <laughs> you handle it don't send them away that's your responsibility you see the need maybe you see the need for a reason maybe God's allowing you to see it because he wants you to do something about it but what do we do? We, we say, oh, man, I saw this. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if my brother, the men's ministry director, would take care of this for me. I, I see your men's ministry. Let me tell you about something I saw the other day. Maybe your ministry needs to handle this. Can you guys take care of that for me? We just want to send them to somebody else. The disciples tried to do that that night, and Jesus looked at them and said, uh-uh, you feed them. And then we see another response that's pretty common in churches today. When we're presented with the need, a lot of times we either say, hey, let somebody else deal with them, or somebody's asking for something because they're in need, or pastor presents a need, and we know that we've got all this stuff happening. We're in the middle of a church building project, and we're given to three ministries in our community, and pastor just keeps pushing us to be generous and pushing us. When's he going to stop talking about generosity? When's he going to stop thinking about thankfulness? When's he just going to be happy with what we've got? And, well, never, I hope. And so what do we do? We, we start looking at what we don't have. What's our first response? Oh, well, I don't have it this week. I don't have the time. I don't have the talent. I don't have the treasure. We saw it in the video. <laughs> Time, talent, and treasure. But we'll immediately go to what I don't have as opposed to what we do have. In our mind, we're thinking, man, I got to buy groceries this week. And a few years ago, I said, man, I got 100 bucks. I got to buy groceries. But we all know that today, 100 bucks doesn't buy groceries for anybody. <laughs> Can't even feed your cat for like 100 bucks. It's like $800 at the groceries if you got kids. It's amazing how much a package of Oreos can cost. Ridiculous. No double stuff this week, kids. It's too much. <laughs> we got to go back to that single stuff. You know what I'm saying? Whew. That whale lard's getting expensive. 
But we say, man, I got like, it's like $506, and I know groceries going to cost me $500. Ain't no way I'm letting go of that six. Uh-uh. I just don't have it. But in the story, the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, all we have is. We only have. And what did Jesus say? Give it to me. He didn't look at him and bargain and negotiate and say, well, okay, if that's the case, then just give me three loaves and one fish. I'll work with you. That's not what Jesus is saying. Why? Because it wasn't even about the fish and the bread. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. But yet we respond just like him, say, I can't, I just don't have. And we look at what we don't have. Why do we do that? Well, I believe somewhere between sympathy and learning to surrender, there has to be a breaking. We have to become broken. Which brings me to the third question is, will I surrender like Jesus? Will I surrender? Do I see what Jesus sees? Do I feel like Jesus feels? Will I surrender like Jesus? Who gave up everything? To reach everyone. The Bible says the disciples gave him the food, all of it. The Bible says Jesus broke it and he blessed it. And you realize that the food only multiplied after Jesus had it in his hands and broke it. It didn't become a blessing until it was in Jesus' hands and he broke it. Now, I know we're talking about material things, but let's get real personal today. Can we do that? Can we reach a little deeper and maybe cross another line and get into really your business? Maybe it's not even about our stuff. Maybe it's just about us. Maybe it's us being willing to put ourselves in the hands of Jesus and allow him to break us, to break our greed, to break our selfishness, to break our doubt, to break our fear so that he can take our lives and multiply them into so much more than we can be on our own. Because Jesus will do more in us and through us than we can ever do on our own. It's not just about our stuff. It's about our lives. I would have never in a million years dreamed that Jesus would take this little snotty-nosed kid from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, in a non-Christian home whose parents never went to church ever (laughs) And do with him what he's done for me. No way in a million years. That's not what happens to kids like me. Until I put myself in the hands of Jesus and just, Jesus, do what you want to do. And I'm still learning. Because I ain't there fully. I'm still learning every day. Jesus is still working on me. Anybody remember that song? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. 
How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> Praise God he is. I'm still learning how to put myself in the hands of Jesus and let him break me just a little bit more. Once I think I'm there, man, I, I got it, I got it. I'm like, oh, I don't got it. <laughs> I just ain't there yet. I thought I was, but man, I'm not. I'm so far away. <laughs> but I'm trying. And what if we would be unlike the disciples and just really, instead of saying, you give them something to eat, let someone else deal with it. We give our lives to Jesus. We let him break us and use us as a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. And instead of looking at what we don't have, why don't we begin to look at the one who can take what we have and make more? Can I tell you something from this story? You know what I learned? Jesus wants to take our lack and turn it into leftovers. Jesus wants to take our lack and turn it. I love leftovers, by the way, just so you know. I'm a leftover junk. You can ask my wife. I live on leftovers. I don't even care. Some stuff tastes better the next day anyway. Like spaghetti. Cold spaghetti is awesome. Cold pizza. Anybody like cold pizza for breakfast? Come on, now we're talking. Forget the bacon and eggs. Give me that double pepperoni, baby. Woo! That's how we're going to start the morning. Breakfast of champions right here. Right. Ain't nothing like heating up a bowl of beans the next day, right? Because they're like a little bit thicker. And it's so good. That old ham sits in there overnight in that refrigerator. And that grease gets all hard and white and yucky. And you open it up. It's like, that looks nasty. But you stick it in a microwave and you take it out. And it's like, yes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love me some leftovers, and there's nothing like the leftovers of Jesus. Jesus wants to take our lack and turn it into leftovers. If only we would be willing to surrender what we have to him. He wants to turn our lack into leftovers. Every brokenness will lead to blessing, and every surrender requires sacrifice. But if we will do that, Jesus will reach the world with our leftovers. In Jesus' name. So do I see what Jesus sees? Do I feel what Jesus feels? Will I sympathize? Will I surrender like Jesus? The last one is this, is will I serve? All this was for the disciples is teaching them how to serve. Not to just walk by it, but to serve. I've been so blessed this morning in this church to watch so many people serving. It's been great. And I haven't even walked over to that building where I know more is happening. But to see people serve. I'm a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. And we have a saying at our church, save people, serve people. And if you're, if you're not serving, you're not saved. I can say that because I'm not your pastor. <laughs> but my people know it's true. And we say it every Sunday. Because our heart is to get people where God wants them to be. And God wants them to serve. He wants all of us to serve in the kingdom. That's how we fulfill our purpose and his plan. 
is by serving. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And his plan for us is the same. So I always say, if you're really saved, you're going to serve. If you're not serving, I question your salvation. Well, that's not yours to question. Well, it may not be, but I'm going to anyway. Because <laughs> really, salvation is becoming like Jesus, right? And if we're becoming like Jesus, what do we do? What Jesus does. What did Jesus come to do? Serve. He's not going to say, well done, my good and faithful church attender. Bible doesn't say that. Well done, my good and faithful worship team member. Well done, my good and faithful janitor. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not well done, my good and faithful pastor. Well done, my good and faithful leader. We all want to lead. We want to be in charge. Want it to happen like I want it to happen. And pastor, if you don't put me in charge, I'm not going to do it. I'm not working with them. I know them. I ain't working with them. I've worked with them before. Nah, I'm hitting somebody somewhere. It's too, too quiet in here to be missing that one. <laughs> but we serve. Why? Because Jesus served. So we have to look in the mirror and say, will I serve? God just, you're never too old to serve. We're never too old to serve. What's the line in the song that says, if I'm not dead, then God's not done? <laughs> if I'm not dead, then God's not done. <laughs> There's still work for me to do. One of my first youth pastor positions in Woodward, Oklahoma, middle of nowhere, western Oklahoma, almost to the panhandle, where the wind always blows. <laughs> I mean, it just blows all the time, nonstop. You know that my greatest youth leader was a 65-year-old woman? That lady, Miss Isla Fair, God bless her, she would go to youth camp because I was a single youth pastor, and that 65-year-old woman would stay in the dorms with those teenage girls, and she's the best counselor at camp they ever had in Jesus' name. 65. I learned then that no matter how old you are. She made the best cornbread, by the way. That's <laughs> That German lady made the best cornbread, the best chicken noodles. Shoot, them homemade noodles were good. And she had compassion on this single youth pastor, her and her husband, Norman. They took good care of me. But I learned a lot from that lady, that you're never too old. Tom Downey was the best dad gum door greeter I ever met at 70. But every Sunday morning at Abundant Life Church in Grapevine, that man was in the middle doors. That meant something, by the way. I mean, you can work on the side doors, but if you work the middle doors under the port of cachet, that means you were the grand poobah. <laughs> you were first string, all-American greeter at the middle doors. And, oh, Tom was the quintessential door greeter. You didn't have to open the door because Tom was going to open it before you. And Tom would get down on his knees, say hi to your kids at 70. Rain, sleet, shine, hot. I mean, we call it cold in Texas, but it never gets cold here. Tom was faithful, the best greeter ever at age 70. You're never too old to serve. You're never too old to serve. And guess what? You're never too busy to serve either. 
You just got to realign priorities. God, help us to serve. God, help us to serve. Why? Because Jesus served. I like what was said, and I'm, I'm landing this plane. I like what was said of David. The book of Acts. Luke wrote this of David. One sentence that's changed my life. David served the Lord's purpose in his generation. Are we? Are we serving the Lord's purpose in our generation? Church, thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for all that you do. I've been singing the praises of this church all morning. I'm just giddy over what's happening here. It's so cool to see what God is doing. I ask three things of you as we close today. Number one, would you simply remember us in prayer? I've got prayer cards with me this morning. If you want to take one and put it on the fridge. You know, my stories change a little bit the older I get with these cards. I, I tell men to put it on the fridge, you know. But these guys post 50. I believe that there's a place we visit more than the refrigerator, and it's the bathroom. <laughs> so you, I'm experiencing in my older age that I, if I go to the fridge once, I go to the bathroom twice. <laughs> if you're there, say amen. See, honey, I know it's just a thing that maybe you stick it on the bathroom wall instead of the refrigerator door. You'll pray twice as much in Jesus name. <laughs> but wherever you put it, remember to pray for our family. We we're going through some pretty big transition as we prepare to go back. Uh, kids, none of them are going with us this time. They're all staying home. Uh, our oldest is 23, our next is 21, our youngest is 18, he'll graduate in May, and he'll stay here too. And so we're walking through that as parents, that surrender. You're never done surrendering, by the way. And just Once you think you've surrendered everything, he's going to ask for more. <laughs> so we're just at that place where every time you come home and you leave again, it's like taking a Band-Aid off. It just hurts, man. Ow! And you find ourselves even now. I mean, we don't leave till August of next year, but even now, just driving down the road, it's like all of a sudden it hits you in a wave, and it's like, crud. We're leaving our kids again. How are we going to do this? God, give me the grace to trust you one more time. It's different than taking your kid to TCU in Fort Worth and coming back to Weatherford. You can still go help your kid with a flat. You can be there if they need something. You can't just drive over the ocean and be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> it's challenging as a parent to surrender that again, again, again. Transparent missionary. God, help us to learn to surrender again. Help us financially. I mean, we got budgets to raise. That's not easy in church culture today. I'm thankful for being here this morning. Every church I stand in, I'm grateful. With churches that don't have Sunday nights anymore, Wednesday nights anymore, it's hard for missionaries to raise budget because you only got Sunday mornings. It becomes difficult. Your opportunity to be in front of people, to share what God's doing, is a third of what it used to be. But God is faithful. God's faithful, man. He continues to provide. I don't know how. He just is God. <laughs> He's like that. If we'll surrender, he'll provide. And so we're learning. But pray for our budget. If God, God, we, we need you to pray. If God puts it on your heart to give, give. But please, if you're going to do that, talk to your pastor first. Don't just give. 
talk to pastor. I, I believe in the authority of the pastor shepherding the flock. God places it on your heart to give. Just let him know. Maybe he'll ask you to give through the church. It's very possible. Be obedient to the spiritual authority God's placed in your life. That's your pastor's. Okay, whatever that looks like for you. If God tells you to give, man, we'd be thankful. We got a lot of work to do. And the last thing is this. Maybe you can come with us. That's when everybody looks away. I mean, you could be, you could be dead-eyeing somebody and say that, and they do this. <laughs> it's the proverbial, he ain't talking to me. <laughs> what time? <laughs> God's still calling missionaries to Africa in services just like this. There's still work to do. There's still 867 unreached people groups. There's over 50 cities that need urban churches planted inside of them. There's over 600 billion children who need to know about Jesus. Think about it. Think about it. 600 million children need Jesus. What will we do about it? Oh, man. I don't know if that gets your getter, but it gets mine. <laughs> we love kids at our church. It's what draws people to our church because we have children's ministry and we have youth ministry, which is unlike our Tanzania Assemblies of God churches who don't view that age group like we do. But we have, between children's and youth ministry, we have over 200 kids and youth in our church on Sunday morning. Why? Because we believe in the next generation. I lived it forever. If I wasn't a missionary, I'd still be a youth pastor in Jesus' name. My wife might, disagree, might not agree with that, but she, I love kids, man. I love students. I believe in the next generation. Maybe God's calling you to work in that generation. Whatever God would call you to, don't say, no, I'm too old. I can't go to Africa. I'm too old. Hey, I was 43 years old working a great job when we left. You're never too old. You're never too settled to follow Jesus. Whatever he would ask of you, follow him. And for, for me, that's what I would just encourage you. If Jesus is, is challenging you or maybe tickling your heart to go, man, don't turn it away and say, do you know my mortgage and my five car payments and bills and my business? And <laughs> let Jesus handle that. If he's calling you, there's a reason. Don't run away. Run to. He'll handle everything. He'll handle everything. Church, thank you. We love you. We're grateful for you. We appreciate you. Thanks for making us feel at home today. Thanks for loving us. It's been fantastic. I want to pray for you, and then I'm done. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for what you're doing here among the people. I thank you for what you're doing through the pastors, God, and their obedience to you, their willingness, God, to continue to step out, God, and, and to try things and to do new things, Lord, and to take risks, God. You can see it all over, Lord. They're leading, God, in an amazing way. And first and foremost, I pray blessings over them, Lord. I pray for their family today. I pray, God, you watch over them and that you keep them and you bless them. God, bless their home, bless their marriage, bless their family, God. Meet the needs that nobody knows about but them. I pray for a double anointing upon them, Lord, for a season of increase and a season of growth, God. Continue to anoint them, Lord, with a greater anointing for a greater work. God, bless them. Meet every need. 
abundantly because you are the God of exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So God bless them today, I pray. And Lord, for this church body, I thank you, God, for all of the love, the warmth, God, the excitement, the, the joy that's in this house. God, it's, it is evident and it's contagious in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray, God, a continued outpouring of your Holy Spirit in the midst of this place. God, use every ministry leader, use every ministry team, use every volunteer, God, to usher in a season of increase and a season of growth, a season of revival in Jesus' name. Let every heart be touched by the power of your Holy Spirit with, with the evidence of wanting to serve more, to see more, God, to, to sympathize more, God, to surrender more so that your kingdom will come to earth as it is in heaven. God bless this house with a supernatural blessing that it cannot contain. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Pastor Neil, thank you. I know you're hungry, but I want to do something real quick. I want to pray for Priscilla and Jimmy. If you guys can come down here, I'm going to pray over you guys. Honey, if you want to come up. I just want to pray a blessing over them, protection over them. Also, as he stated, they, they love your prayers. Prayers matter. Prayers make a difference. But also, if you, you feel led to give towards their ministry, if you go online to our website or if you give online already, there should be a drop-down menu. If you click on missions when you give, we'll make sure that all of that gets towards their, monthly, towards their yearly budget. And then if you want to take them on as a monthly sponsor, uh, come talk to us, and we'll, we'll make sure that we can get that for you as well. We want to pray over them and bless them. That's okay. Father God, I just pray right now for Jimmy and Priscilla. I pray over his family. God, I pray over their children, Lord, as they step out in faith, God, that you would watch over them. Lord, we know that you love their kids, and you're going to keep them safe, and you're going to watch over them, God, and they're going to serve you so faithfully wherever they are. And God, I pray your protection over Jimmy and Priscilla. God, I pray that you would get them back on the field where they belong, God. They belong in Africa. Lord, you've called them to that place. And Lord, we pray your blessings over them, God, that they would meet every need. God, that you would fully fund them, Lord, for this. God, there would be, that would not even be an issue. That would not be on their mind, God. That way they can just serve you and not have to worry about money and not have to worry about their children. But, God, that you have everything in your safekeeping. Yes. And we thank you for that, Lord. We love you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this church and the opportunity to give. In Jesus' name. 